Well, good morning. We're going to uh, this morning. We're going to be looking at First uh, John verse uh, chapter two, verses fifteen through seventeen. <clears throat> this is a this is a command uh, that uh, embraces four reasons why to keep this command, uh, and those are going to be found in verses fifteen and seven or sixteen and seventeen. And we'll be going through that uh, this morning. I did have one uh, thing to mention last week. I, I know I. Uh, there was a question about why uh, why that particular section in some of your translations was indented, and my brain kind of clicked off, and I said, I don't know. And the reality is, the LSV doesn't do it that way. Most other translations do, and the reason they do it there is most commentators and apparently most Bible translators see that section. I, I didn't really didn't talk about this, although I did read about it. I just didn't think it was important, I guess. Uh, but uh, uh, most commentators view that section as following a Hebrew poetic style. And as a result of that, as in if you go to your Old Testament, you go to any of the prophets, you go to the Psalms, everywhere there's poetry, it's indented. So the translators of the New King James, the NIV, the NASB, uh, the King James, what other Bible did I look at? The ESV, uh, they all indent it. Uh, the LSV doesn't. Uh, they just kept it as narrative, um, which is not wrong. Uh, n- none of it is wrong. It is. It, it it does follow a Hebrew poetic style. There is some parallelism to it, um, but it is not necessarily Hebrew poetry. It, but uh, but they uh, they indented it to, to to indicate that. And like I said, a lot of Bible commentators uh, make mention of it that this has a that this follows a follows a Hebrew poetic style and so some of the bible translators decided they would follow a hebrew style in the new testament so that's that's why it's indented it's just that, that nothing nothing else nothing, nothing special just that's why uh, but at any rate uh, uh, i apologize for not recognizing that right off if i'd looked at some of the other translations i might have known it quicker anyway this morning we're going to be looking at uh, 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17, uh, and, and, and basically I entitled it right off, of the first, right off of the first words of the text, is do not love the world. And I kind of broke this down into four sections. Um, I broke verse 15 into two uh, simply because they're contrasts, and, uh, but it's, it, it flows. But anyway, it's, it's, it, first of all, it's because it's the command of God, and secondly, it's because of our love for God. And then verse 16 is going to give three three examples of or prohibitions that we need to stay away from that that indicate love for the world and that's because the world hates God that ultimately is the answer to those and then the final one is is uh, the final admonition is because we're to have a we're to have a, a an eternal point of view and so that's uh that's the that's the way this this uh, chapter breaks down so uh okay so verse 15 i'm going to read through the text and then we'll go back uh do not love the world nor the thing nor the things in the world if anyone loves the world the love of the father is not in him for all the things of the world the lust of the flesh the lust of the eyes the boastful pride of life is not from the father but is from the world and the world is passing away and also it's lust but the one who does the will of god abides forever so, John, in these uh, three somewhat quick and, and concise verses, uh, has really a, a lot of theological truth. He starts off by saying, do not love. Uh, this is an imperative. It's a command. It's not a suggestion. It's not a good idea. It is, it is the eternal God of the universe saying, do not love the world. That's, that's exactly what it is saying here. Uh, and, it, and it means to not do it. That's ultimately it. The word love here is, is agapo. Uh, it's the same word that's used in verse 10, uh, where he told us that the one who loves his brother abides in light, and there is no cause of stumbling for him. It is, it is, the, it is the love that is an act of the will. It's a love that has an intimate, close fellowship. All of that, uh, all of that is a part of it. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, it is it is what Jesus prayed for in John seventeen fourteen through fifteen that that they would they would be sanctified 
and left in the world as a light, not really a part of the world. He explains in all of that that we're not uh, we're not uh, we're really not of this world anymore. We're strangers and foreigners here, and and that's part and parcel in in, in all of this. Incidentally, this verse does not say to remove yourself from the world. That's kind of an important, uh, an important feature because there are throughout history been those who, who thought that in order to gain deeper spiritual spirituality, you needed to remove yourself. It's why the monastic movement began. It's why we have nunneries. It's why we have, why we have groups that think they have to start little Christian enclaves and, 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 and separate themselves completely from everyone else in the world. That violates what Jesus said he left us for in, in John 17 in his high priestly prayer, prayer. We are left here to, to represent him. You can't represent him in a monastery. You can't represent him if you're living in a cave. You can't represent him if you've cloistered yourself with no one but Christians and you let no one else in. Uh, that's that's not the view here. Uh, we're not into reconstruction theology. We're not post millennialists. We're not uh, pulling ourselves back to uh, uh, to uh, to that to that uh, that kind of a that kind of a viewpoint. And Jesus is not saying that here. He's saying he's saying stop loving the world. And he's going to go on to develop that idea as we go through. The idea here is is you don't set your affections upon. Uh, 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 living for the world. You set your affections on the object that you love. That's the idea. Our affection is to be set on God, as he will explain as we go on. And, and the way this is, uh, John Stott, in his commentary, suggests that uh, it stems from a steady devotion of the will. This is this kind of love. He says it's a steady devotion of the will. And he's saying not to apply that, not to apply that to the world. Uh, a Christian does, and, and the way this uh, the, te- the the way this this word is put in the text, it means a habitual or persistent love for the world. It doesn't mean that there aren't times there are things about the world you love that you care about uh, that you embrace, uh, it, whatever whatever that may be. Uh, but it's saying this is not the pattern of your life. The pattern of your life is not the accumulation. Of worldly materialism, it's not. It's not the accumulation of worldly power. It's not the accumulation of worldly pleasures. That's that's really what he's going to say here. He says it's it's what you can what you habitually or persistently place your love on. That's that's the idea. And he says, don't put that kind of love on the world. And we'll 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 develop that here in just a minute. It's inconsistent with the character of God and the believer's new nature. This is just, it's not consistent for a believer to live this way. And, and it's, in John's view, it's a prime example to say who is and is not a Christian. It's, it's a moral test uh, in reality in these verses. And then he, he, but he says that you're not to put that love on the world. Well, what does he mean when he says world? There are three ways scripture uses world. Um, and the, the the first way that it's used is to mean the earth or the creation. Acts seventeen, verse twenty four reads this: The God who made the world and all the things in it, since He is the Lord of the heavens and earth, does not dwell in temples made of hand, nor is He served by human hands, as though He needs anything, since He Himself to all people uh, gives to all people life, breath, and things. And then he goes on to explain that. The point here is the created earth. That's what he's talking about. That's one way the world is understood. The creation that God made. And incidentally, in Genesis one thirty one, he said that creation was good. In fact, he said very good. Uh, and and in Psalms nineteen one through six, we're told that the 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 orderly system of the creation screams there is a God. There must be a God. Doesn't necessarily define him, but it tells us there must be a God. He goes on in verse 7 and following to tell us how we know about God and his revealed word. But, but that's, that's the idea here. The, idea, the, first, the first thing he says, that's the first example of world. Well, that's not what John is talking about here. He's not saying hate the earth. 
And that's not what he's saying. Incidentally, it will be our home for a while. So, you know, we're not to hate it. I, uh, I went to a I went to a lecture one time, and the the uh, the guy who was speaking at that time was was talking about the environmentalist and the environmental movement. And he said, "Well, I'm kind of an environmentalist. I'm a bit of a tree hugger." He says, "But you know, whenever I go to one of those meetings, I realize I'm the only one there that knows why." <laughs> you know, well, we we are to to care about the earth, but that's not to be our focal point. Uh, secondly, it, 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 it's used to speak of the world of humanity. Uh, it's uh, talking about the, it, it speaks of the human race. Uh, notice John, in John uh, chapter 2, verse 2, he said this. He says, and he himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not only ours, but for those of the whole world. In that case, he doesn't mean he saved the dirt. It means the people. That's, that's what it's talking about. He's talking about the people. Uh, John 3.16, it's the same idea there. The world there is people. So it's the world of humanity. And incidentally, it's just, it, the word for love here in this text of not loving the world is the same, the same word that is used, the same word for love that is used in John 3.16. So that that's gives the content of that word as well. So here the word world uh, refers to humanity. But the third way is the way we're looking at here. The third way the, world, the word world is, you, uh, is used <clears throat> is, is the current world system, which is currently controlled by Satan, Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2. Uh, well, let's pick it up at verse 1. And you were dead in your trespasses and sin, in which you formerly walked according, the, according to the course of this world, according to the ruler and power, uh, power of the air, the spirits that are now working in the sons of disobedience, among whom you were formerly conducted yourselves in the lust of the flesh, doing the desires of the flesh in the mind and of the mind. And were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. And so here it is talking about the world system in which we live. It's a system we currently live in today. It's where we currently have our place in this world. Um, and he'll define this even more when we get to verse 16. Uh, he, he's basically, he, Jesus told us in John 15, 5, 8, that if the, the world hates you, because it hated him first, uh, we as Christians, as believers, are in opposition to the world system. We stand against it. Uh, we stand as, a, as, if you will, kind of a buffer in, in this world, uh, holding back evil to a certain extent. And, and Ephesians six eleven through 13 makes it very clear that, that this world system is at war with the kingdom of God. Those are things that must, must be recognized, and that's what, that's what John is saying, not to love. Don't put your affection on the world system. This is, not where, this is not where we live. This is not where we have our being. This is not where we're, we're, to, we're to put our place. Uh, that's, that's what he's telling us. He's telling us, don't do this. Incidentally, he, he goes on to say, yeah, the, the text literally says, stop loving the world. It means if you get caught up in it, stop doing it. Desist is the, is the idea here. And keep in mind, it is a command. And then he goes on in the, in the last part of verse 15. He says, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. <clears throat> if anyone loves the world, uh, love here again is the same word that is used in 15a, uh, where we're told not to love. He says, but if anybody does, this is also a present tense. It means it's a, an habitual, intimate fellowship with the world. That's what it means. It means that our affection is placed on the world. That's, that's our whole focal point. And I'm sure all of you know people like this, that that's, that's the whole idea. That's where they are. It, it, it would consist 
of a devotion to uh, things of the current world system, its priorities, its amusement, its politics. I don't know about you. You know, we're going into a political season once again. I don't think we ever get out of them anymore. Uh, doesn't seem like it anyway. But, you know, for me, I, I mean, there was a time when I was a staunch patriot, I, I guess you could say. You know, I wore the uniform proudly. I served. I did the things that were, were required. But, you know, as I as I have matured, I think, in my Christianity, I've come to realize that was just foolishness, you know? Basically, war is a game where old men send young men to die. That's, that's all it is. And, and uh, uh, I, I have come to realize that most of the time, if not all of the time, when I have placed a vote, it hasn't been because I really wanted to see that person in office. It was simply because I thought the other guy was worse. You know, in fact, I, I will tell you right up front, I voted for Trump in the last election. The reason I voted for him is I figured if Hillary Clinton uh, was in there, we would be under persecution today. That's why. That's the only reason. I thought he would hold back the evil tide against the church. It's the only reason I voted for him. Not a re- That probably isn't the best reason in the world. Maybe it is. Uh, but nevertheless, that's the reality of it. That's the reality of it. Didn't really want to. But I saw him the lesser of two evils. And I'm not sure if it was, I don't know. There, we won't go there. Uh, at, any rate, at any rate, he says, it's, it's amusement, it's politics, it's riches. There are people that all they do is it's money. Uh, how much is enough? More. You know, that, that's the reality. You, you never reach enough. Uh, it's, it's the obtaining of things. You know, it's... The the obtaining of things. I've got to have this. I've got to have that. I've got to have the other thing. It's leisure. Uh, The leisure world makes billions of dollars in this country. I can't imagine paying half a million dollars for a bus to go camping in a couple weeks out of the year. You know, it makes no sense. Uh, it's the whole, the whole, the whole idea of, of leisure. It's our, the world's view of success, titles, degrees, whatever it is, wherever area you're in, whatever marks the success in that area. Uh, you know, it's it's the attainment of things. It's called lust. That's the idea here, and it goes on to say that the person who lives his life like that. The person who has put all of his attention and focus on things, success, leisure, whatever it is. You know, we pay we pay athletes millions of dollars to throw a ball around. And you wonder why, you know, why? And then we read in the paper where they got arrested the next day, you know. But it's those kind of things. These 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 kind of things. And then he goes on and he says, the love of the father here. Here it's it's a it's 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 agapo is a derivative of agape. Uh, Here it's agape that he's using as the word for love. And it's it's the love of the will, if you will. He says, for the love of the father is not in him. It's basically saying the person who lives this life, his life like this has no godly love in him. He's devoid of it. That's what he's saying. Now, the question becomes, and it's debated somewhat, uh, because the Greek could mean either the father's love or love for the father uh, in in this text. I think the context kind of sets how we should take it, uh, because in the context, we have a contrast right here. And the contrast is this, uh, that we are to not love the world. Uh, therefore, we are to love the Father. So I think it's our love for the Father that is the focal point here, and that's one of the ways it can be translated. The bottom line is it really doesn't make a whole lot of difference, because if you turn over to chapter 4, verse 19, we love because He first loved us. So the reality is we can't love God if He didn't love us first. But I think here it's talking about the reciprocal love back to back to God the Father in this in this in this uh, particular case, and he goes on to say that love is not in him. The agape love for God, the Creator of the universe, doesn't exist in the person who has set their affections on the attainment of what this world has to offer, and that's where their life is lived, and that's ultimately that's their God, that's their idol, 
Whatever realm it takes place in, that's their idol. He says it's not in him. John is saying he is clearly devoid of of any love for God. God. It's not in him. John is clear. A consistent uh, devotion to a God-hating world is something that would nullify any claim of being a Christian. That's what, that's what John is saying here. John cuts things black and white. Uh, and that's what he's saying here. Someone who habitually puts their life here, uh, they, have, they have no love for God. And their, their love is all set on the world system. Uh, John Stott also said that love for God and love for the world are mutually exclusive. You can't do both. You can't, it's one or the other. Uh, Jesus said in Luke sixteen thirteen. No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will devote to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Uh, that's, 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 that's what John is, is, is wanting us to understand here. Uh, you can't call yourself a Christian and serve the world in that sense. And then he goes on, and now he's going to... Uh, He's going to uh, give us some examples. He says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the boastful pride of life, is not from the Father, but it's from the world. And, I, and I'm going to take out the, the, the three uh, negatives that he says here and just put the first part of the verse and the last part of the verse together because it, it kind of makes it clear. It says, For all that is in the world is not from the Father, it is from the world. In other words, what are you saying here? God does not give these things. God is not the author of these things. And that's important to understand. Uh, because be, <clears throat> in between the three categories, in between those two verses are the three categories uh, which he is going to say that are in and from the world, and they constitute sin, yes. <coughs> How does that work with God being sovereign over everything, but saying that something's not from him or not of him? Or Very simple, because, because a guy named Adam decided, in my view, made a choice at a particular juncture in human history. His wife, whom he was the, who was the only, the only living thing on earth, that he could correlate to, because he'd already talked to all the animals and there was no relationship there, had bitten into an apple, or no, well, uh, your sister made it a pear in her picture, but at any rate, uh, but at any rate, whatever that piece of fruit was that they that she bit into, whatever that piece of fruit was that she bit into, meant that she was going to die, and he knew he was going to lose her. I think he made a conscious choice. He chose her over God. As a result of that, the serpent who instigated all of this took title deed to the earth, which is what Genesis, starting in verse 6, excuse me, Revelation, go to the other end of the book, uh, Revelation, starting in verse 6, is all about. Jesus taking back, well, actually in verse 5 when he takes that scroll. It's Jesus taking back title deed to the earth. So the current earth that you live in today is under the rule of Satan. Okay? That's the bottom line here. So God had nothing to, God permit, I guess you could say within the permissive will of God, he allowed this to happen. He knew it from the beginning of time, what was going to happen, that man was going to rebel. But the problem was he didn't create robots. You're not a robot. You know, he did not create robots to worship him. He created those who would choose to worship him. And they had to make that choice based on his. And, and of course, I say that holding that a sovereign God chose who would actually do it. But nevertheless, he didn't have to save anyone. The minute Adam took a bite of whatever that piece of fruit was, he could have ended humanity. And in fact, within the justice, he could have and would have been justified in doing so. But he didn't, because he wanted to redeem out of that. And then we have the whole plan of redemption, which flows from Genesis 3 
all the way through till we get to the book of Revelation and Jesus returns, sets up the millennial reign, and then comes back and sets up eternity. Within that, within the, the time period from Genesis 3 to more or less Revelation 6, if I can say that, it's probably farther, it's probably 19. But anyway, in between that time as the whole plan of redemption unfolds, during that time, until Jesus takes back, until he comes on that white horse, Satan has control of this planet. And within that, he can manipulate the minds of men. Just as he did, just as he did Eve. And, and that's, that's the bottom line. God is not, not, not uh, the author of sin. In fact, we're going to look at that. James chapter 1, verse 13. Uh, in fact, to even suggest that is, is wrong. Uh, James chapter... Oh, nope, that's John. There he is. James chapter 1, verse 13. Uh, James says... Let no one, when he is tempted, say, I'm being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself does not tempt anyone with evil. But each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. And when that lust is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when the sin is fully matured, it brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. And then he's going to go on to say where, where good comes from. Uh, and and that's, that's the bottom line here. We can't God is not the author of sin. Nothing that is in here is God the author of. These are the things Satan is the author of. These are the things that he has brought into the world because the sin of Adam led him. And as a result of that, all of us, everyone in this room, when you were born, you were totally fallen. You were totally depraved. Uh, Now, that doesn't mean you were going to be as bad as you could ever be. That isn't what depravity means. It means your whole person... Your whole person, your personality, your your thinking process, your brain process, your body structure. We don't live forever. We die. We corrupt. We get old. I guarantee that. If you don't believe those that are younger, don't believe it. You do. Uh, and uh, uh, there are days that uh, success is getting your feet on the floor and standing up. Uh, and... Uh, 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 See, I got a, I got, I got a couple of votes already, <laughs> but, but uh, uh, I forgot where I was going now. <laughs> but, but the reality, but the reality is, those, that's what depravity is about. Even our genetic structure has been depraved; it's fallen. That's why there is disease. That's why there is birth defects. That's why there, there is, there is mental issues with some children when they're born, and and all these kinds of things. They're a result of the fall. We are fallen people. But God, in his grace, chose to save some. And he put that plan into effect, and he effected it through Jesus Christ, his son. That, that, that's, that's the bottom line here. But God didn't author sin. So here he, here he is going to start talking about those sin. Uh, sin is seen as an action. And, it's root, and I, just as I said, it's rooted in the depravity of man. Romans chapter 1. Where did it go? It was here yesterday. Romans chapter 1, verse 21. For even though they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God or give thanks, but they became uh, futile in their thoughts, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. Think of that the next time you hear Professor So-and-so spoke from some liberal university. Professing to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory for the incorruptible God, for the image and the likeness of corruptible man and, and of birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures. Therefore, God gave them over in the lust of their hearts to impurity so that their bodies would be dishonored among them. There's, there's the, the truth. The truth is... Everyone instinctively has a knowledge of the divine, but they willfully reject it. That's, that's what he's saying. That's sin. They willfully reject it. Uh, they willfully reject what they know to be true, is, is the idea here. You can, you can also uh, look at 2 Timothy 3, 2. And it all stems, it all stems, as I just said, from Genesis chapter 6. In fact, if you look at Genesis chapter 6, and you look at the temptation of Eve, what does it say? It says, she looked at the fruit, whatever it was, 
And she says, that looks like it might be tasty. She said, it looks good to eat. In chapter uh, 3, verse 6, that's lust of the flesh. She went on to see that her eyes could be opened by eating this fruit. That's lust of the eyes. And finally, she said that it would make her know what God knows. It would make her like God. That's pride of life. Boastful pride of life. Those very three things are what were involved in that in that temptation. Incidentally, go to... <clears throat> Don't go to it. We don't have time. Uh, but uh, Matthew 4, verses 1 through 11, the temptation of Jesus. Satan followed the exact same pattern. The difference was Jesus, Jesus refuted it all with Scripture. Eve didn't. There's the difference. But, but that's what we've got. That's what we're coming into. Uh, this is what goes on. The result is Romans, Romans uh, 3.13, all have sinned. And come short of the glory of God. Sin has become an inherited part of our fallen nature. Romans 5, uh, 21 through 12. I'm just going to read the, uh, the beginning verse and the last verse. You can go back and read the whole thing if you want to. It's a whole theological treatise. But anyway, verse 12 says, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered into the world and death through sin, and so sin spread to all men because of sin, and then he says, he says in the end, the cure for it in verse 21. And so that sin reigns in death, even so grace reigns through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Uh, the bottom line here is Adam's sin passed to all of us. But in Christ and in Christ alone, uh, we can be redeemed. That's 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 what Romans is telling us here. That's the only cure. It's only through Christ and His triumph that we can be uh, that we can be saved. Ephesians two eight and nine. Now He's going to give us three categories. The the main portion of this text He's going to give us three categories. It, now they don't these three categories don't list every sin anybody can make, but I think the categories cover the places where you could tuck. Every sin anyone can, can play could could uh, could ever ever commit. Uh, they 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 do that is is the idea here. Uh, uh, he's not giving us a list of sin. He's giving us generalized categories into which sin all fits is what he's doing. And he says he says first of all the lust of the flesh. Probably the first thing we should do is talk about lust. What does the word mean? Uh, it, it's, uh, different translators translate this word differently. Some of them put the word desire here. Desire is normally used uh, to indicate something that is good rather than something that is bad, although not always. Um, uh, but lust is a neutral term. It, it doesn't mean good nor bad in and of itself. However, in Scripture, normally, when it is translated in English, lust, it means bad. Uh, but, for example, in Luke uh, twenty-two fifteen, Jesus uses this very word, the same word, which the translators translate as desire, in which he says he desires to, to have the Passover with his disciples. Now, that's not bad. That's, that's a good use of the word. Uh, but uh, for the most part, it's used negatively, and the idea here is very much negative. Uh, <clears throat> James chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. It says, as I, I read this already, but he, whenever he is tempted, he's carried away and, test, and, and enticed by his lone lust. And when, li- when lust has, has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is fully matures, it brings forth death. That's that's the way lust is being used here. That that's the idea of 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 it here. But he's saying here it's lust of the flesh. Now most often, and I probably all of you, I don't know if this is true or not, but most of you probably your your mind ran immediately to he's talking about sexual sins because nine times out of ten, whenever this comes up in this format, that's how we associate it. It does mean that, but it's not limited to. Uh, it, it, it includes it, but it, it's not limited to it. What it does mean is the body 
Uh, what it doesn't mean, and, and keep this in mind, given especially since this text is being written into a world in which the beginnings of the Gnostic movement, which classified anything physical as evil and anything spiritual as good, and the two never met, therefore you could live any way you wanted to and still be spiritual, which is not true. Uh, but uh, this, isn't, this isn't at all calling the body evil. That's, that's not what he's doing here. Uh, that's not how he's using flesh. Here it's the principle of, ex- of sin that exists within our, our fallen nature, Romans 8, uh, uh, 12, and 13. Uh, that's the idea here. Uh, this, is, this, is, this, while it may and does include any forms of sexual sin, it also includes things like, uh, <clears throat> like uh, substance abuse. That would fall into this category. Those are sins of the flesh. Whatever that substance may be. It would include things like, like uh, uh, gossip. It would fall into this category. Um, this, what I spoke of earlier about uh, being, being uh, caught up in the world of leisure. That's all you're talking about. You know, the whole, the whole idea of, of uh, just, uh, I, need, I need to get away. I need to be here. I need to do this. I got to have these things to, to make my life more comfortable. That, that whole idea. Uh, it, it would include gluttony. Uh, Genesis uh, 3.6. Uh, the whole thing that caused this whole deal was looking at that piece of fruit. Uh, was that, that was was the idea there. Uh, it's uh, uh, it's it's all of those those kinds of things. Galatians chapter five, verses nineteen and twenty one. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident. They are sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, intimies, intimies, uh, strife, jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambition, dissent, fractions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, which I forewarned you and I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Those are, those are the things he's talking about here. This is the idea he's talking about when he says sins of the flesh. It's a whole it's a whole litany of things you can get caught up in. And he's saying, don't do it, and if you are, stop doing it. That's ultimately what he's saying here. That's ultimately what he's saying. He says, secondly, lust of the eye. Uh, this has the idea of a passionate desire for what is seen. Once again, uh, uh, Genesis 3, uh, Genesis. Genesis 3, 6, where Eve looked at the fruit and saw it was good. Uh, It was pleasing to her eyes, is what the text says. Uh, These things that we're we're bombarded with every day, I'm just amazed. You know, you, you can't go anywhere without having some kind of visual something thrust on you, whether it's a billboard, a magazine, television, movies, whatever it is. Uh, you're just visually bombarded. And it's, it's a whole litany of things there, too, that you're bombarded with. I cannot, for the life of me, figure out why I want to buy a men's clone because, oh, shoot, I forgot his name now. Johnny Depp drives his car out into the middle of the desert, digs a hole, pulls a bunch of jewelry off his neck, which I'd never wear in the first place, and buries it in the sand. Now, why would I want that? But nevertheless... But nevertheless, people buy it. Why? Because Johnny Depp wore it. Do you want to be that weird? Okay. <laughs> if you have said, you too can be that weird. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Or there's some other ones where where uh, there are there are I watched the there was a commercial that came on the other day and I really didn't catch it all, but I caught enough of it to know I had no idea what they were advertising. <laughs> I have no clue. They never even said the name of the product at the end of the commercial. So I, I have no idea what it was, but it, but we're bombarded with this stuff. We're we're just bombarded with it. The other word that could be used for this this one is covetousness. This is the things that make you desire things that you want them. You have to have them. This this is the guy who says he who has the most who he who dies with the most toys wins. That's that's this uh, that's this uh, that's this uh, list of things. 
And of course, it relates to, to sensuality and sexual sin as well. Jesus said, simply looking on a woman with lust is the same as committing adultery. We just went through that a few weeks ago. Maybe it was a few months ago now. He, he spends a long time, but that's okay. That's good. Uh, but but it's, it's, that's the idea here. That's what, he's, that's what he's expressing. It's covetousness. I want more. You know? I need bigger. I need better. I need bigger. I need better. I need more of it. You know? One motorhome is not enough. I need a trailer, too. Well, then I need a boat, and then I need a plane, and then I, I, there's a commercial where a guy drives his new Dodge pickup to get in his plane with toys in the back of the thing. You know, it's just amazing. But they tell us that's what we got to have. That's what we got to have. And then thirdly, he says the boastful pro- pride of life, which may be a motivator for the other two. This this uh, another word that could be used here is arrogance. What is one of the things God hates the most? Arrogance heart. Uh, that, that's who this guy is. The boastful pride of life. This is the person that elevates and promotes himself. Uh, you know, if you probably go to any of these self-esteem seminars, this is what they teach you to do. You know, that's, that's the idea here. This is the person that elevates and promotes himself. This is the guy that's always speaking, uh, is always wanting to exalt himself. He seeks fulfillment in things, Genesis 3, verses 4 through 6. Uh, He would be like God, that was the idea there. Uh, This is is the person that, no matter, this is the guy who wants to hand you his resume every time you go anywhere. He wants to tell you, you know, in, 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 in biblical circles, this is the guy who insists on being called the right reverend doctor so-and-so. <laughs> you know, that's, 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 that's what this one, that's what this one is. Uh, it's arrogance. Uh, it's just arrogance is, is what he's talking about here. The prideful boasting of life, it's boasting about everything. My kids are the best, my house is the best, my car is the best, everything I have is the best. It's that guy. You've met him, we've all met him. You know, we've all met him. Now, how do we respond to these things? As believers, how can we respond to these things? Well, first of all, you are going to be tempted by the world. You can't help it. It's out there. It's all over the place, everywhere you go. Hopefully you don't want to be like Johnny Depp. But anyway, uh, it's all over the place. Uh, the answer to this is 1 Corinthians 10.13. There's no temptation taken you, but such is common to man. But with the temptation, God will bring, give the way of escape. Uh, that's, that's one of the ways. The second way is the way Jesus did it. You answer everything with Scripture. Of course, quoting 1 Corinthians 10.13 would be a part of that but but nevertheless is 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 you you respond with scripture what does the scripture say about this stuff well one of the things it says is stop loving it or you can be like moses in hebrews 11 24 through uh, 29 where when 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 he had to make the choice to live like a pharaoh of egypt or to live with his people and he chose to live with his people. He opposed the pride of life in verse 22. He denied the flesh in verse 25. And he valued heaven more than anything else in verse 26. Uh, it's, it's those kind of deals. It's living by faith. It's living by God's word. Not, <clears throat> not, not by circumstance, emotions, feelings, or impulse. It's, it's, it's those kind of things. There's a, we watch a couple of TV shows on one of the Hallmark channels, and, and they, they have this ad for something we've never watched, but it's some of their movies, and they're called uh, something like Following Your Heart or something like that. You know, that's just nonsense. Your heart is desperately wicked, and it's deceitful. Don't follow it. Follow the Word of God. That's the idea here. It's not living by circumstance, emotions, feelings, or impulse. And then finally, he comes to the final verse, which is his, his final point. It's the fourth and the number four in this moral setup that he's given us here. The first ones are, are, well, the first one is stop loving the world. But then he gives three examples of it following the world. This, this makes number four. And, he's, and he says here, he says, and the world is passing away, and also its lust. But the one who does the will of God 
abides forever. Uh, that's, that's what it says here. Here's another reason to not love the world. It's not forever. It's going away. This is a present tense verb that literally means to disappear. And the way the tense is presented, it's in the present tense, but the way it's presented is it means it's already in the process of passing away. It's not going to, in the future, pass away. It's currently corrupting, is the idea here. It's currently disappearing. That's, that's the way it's, it's formatted. 1 Corinthians 7.31, uh, excuse me. Uh, for the for the form of this world is passing away. Same verb, it's it's disappearing. It's 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 on it's on the outs. Is the idea here? Uh, the idea is not the end of the physical universe. He's not talking about the events of Second Peter uh, chapter three verse ten at the close of the millennium when when the when the universe is untied when God brings it to an end. Uh, But he's talking about the destruction of the satanic world system that is in current opposition to God and those who oppose God, those people who also oppose God, who incidentally are headed for eternal damnation. Uh, It's 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 10, uh, 6 through 10. It's Revelation 19, 11, 21, when the rider on the white horse mounts up. It's, it's Revelation 17 through 10 when the great white throne judgment is set up. And it's, 11 through 15, no, and it's 11 through 15 when Satan is ultimately eternally bound in the lake of fires. Uh, that's, that's the terminus point. From there, the new heavens and the earth uh, then come. But that, that's, that's what he's saying here. He's saying, why don't we love this world? Because it's not forever. Eternity is with God, but this world isn't. Now, this isn't where you want to put your affections. You want to put your affections in the kingdom of God. That's, that's the idea here. So, John, it's specifically referring to our world systems, but it's also true of the physical reality. Well, the physical reality, yeah, it will be remade ultimately. But, but the reason it needs to be remade is because of the corruption. Because of the world yeah, it's because of the, of the corruption. Because you understand when Adam bit into that piece of fruit, your, your pear, it messed up everything else too. Okay. She did, a, she did a class one time for her Sunday school class at our other tr- Sunday school class. Or, uh, it was our tutoring class. Uh, the tutoring classes we had. And, and she did, drew the pictures of the, of the fall of the, the fall of man in Genesis 3. And the fruit she made was a pear. So I kid her. I kid her. Apple gets a bad rap. I, yes, that's what her view was. Apples get a bad rap. So I made a pear. Apparently she has something against pears. <laughs> but at any rate... Uh, but at any, but at any rate, at any rate, uh, that's what we were talking about. I, I, you needed to be in on the joke. But anyway, but he says, but on the other hand, the one who does the will of God, who does is a present tense, means habitual habit. This is, means this is what you do. This is how you live your life. You live your life wanting to serve God. You live your life wanting to do His will. You live your life uh, studying His Word. You live your life. And, and you know his will from his word, incidentally. Uh, her, uh, Hebert, in his commentary, put it this way. He said, <clears throat> It is this resolved obedience, imperfect though it may be, that brings the assurance of permanence amidst a present, steed, uh, present scene of change and, disca- and decay. The will of God is revealed in Scripture. And that's, that's, uh, that's how we know the will of God, because God told us what it is. He gave you a whole book. So that you can know it. Uh, that's, that's the idea here. Psalms 41, verse 8. I desire to do your will, O my God. Your law was, is within my inner being, is, is the idea. And then, and then he says, abides forever. And we've talked about this word abide. It means to be at home. It means to be resident. Uh, this is, it, it means to be, uh, in, in the NSB it says, live forever. Rather than abide, uh, it speaks of eternal life. That's what it's speaking of here. Uh, that's what it's saying. The one who does the will of God lives lives eternally, and eternal life is a quality of life, incidentally, because the unsaved live eternally too. Well, they die eternally, uh, but believers live eternally. That's that's the idea. And incidentally, John, as we will find out sometime down the road. Uh, his purpose in writing First John 5.13 is 
These things are written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. Incidentally, that's a present possession um, uh, tense that that's written in, which means currently you're eternal. If you're a believer, you currently have eternal life. Yeah, this physical body, which some of you who are are younger today will be glad to get rid of when you get my age. But anyway, uh, uh, it's going away. It's going away. But you're going to get one that's fit for eternity. So are there any comments or questions this morning? Oh, sir. I don't know if this is a Bible verse, but Christ died to destroy the work of the devil. Yep. That hasn't happened yet. It's in the process. It, it happened to an extent, but not fully. Well. It, it hasn't come, you know, it, it, redemption, and if, you know, redemption is a process. It began, it began in Genesis 3. The moment, the moment Adam bit from that apple, the process of redemption began. Right now we are living in the church age where God is calling out a people for his own purposes, uh, and in which he foreordained before the foundation of the earth to save them. Christ came to redeem them. Ultimately, he will redeem Israel. And there's a whole bunch of other nations that he also redeems during that period. They're subservient to Israel during the millennial reign, uh, which I'm sure if you're listening to the millennial series in a year from now, we'll probably get to that part. Uh, but uh, uh, I, I, I'm not picking on him. I understand this. I love it that, that you can go that deep and stay that long. But but uh, 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 but there, there's a whole bunch of other nations that that are redeemed in the in the going into the millennial reign of Christ. Not everybody gets destroyed, uh, and and a lot of those are, are are nations like Egypt. It's going to be there, you know. Uh, now they're going to have a responsibility. They have to come to Jerusalem and worship, and if they don't, they get punished. So there's there's still there's still that. But 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 uh, uh, that process is going on, and it will continue until eternity. Uh, but yes, the, the work Satan. See, here's the bottom line: you came to Christ in faith, and you are now saved, and you're a child of God. The works of the devil were defeated the moment you received Jesus Christ, and that will go on into eternity. So it has a, an immediate effect and a long term effect. Okay. Yeah. Let's close. Father God, we, uh, we thank you this morning. Uh, we thank you for the grace that you have shown toward us. We thank you that in your sovereign purposes, you revealed yourself to us through your word. And Father, may we be diligent to study it, to understand it, to make it a part of us that we might glorify you now and into eternity. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.